has anyone got their Bible, got their phone, noting device? Here's your title, Faith That Fits. Faith That Fits. Now, just, just before we, we, we start, I'll just do a few, a few announcements, I guess. So this week, so as One Heart Church, we are part of the ACC, the Australian Christian Churches. And so this week gone, we just had our state conference. And so me, Pastor Rob and Pastor Pauline went to there. And I can tell you that was the best conference I've ever been to in my life. And then there's another thing. So there's a, a, um, a pastor called John Cameron from New Zealand. I've been podcasting him for the last five X amount of years. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go to... One Heart, I'm sorry, not going to go to One Heart Church, I'm going to go to the conference to hear him live, I'm like, that is going to be the best ever, not just podcast, I'm going to see him live, and I met him in person, so I was like, I couldn't believe my, the privilege, so that was really fantastic for me, and then yesterday I won a grand final, so I've had a great week, but, and then, and then I get to preach to the best church in Australia, that's it, eh? So, faith, that fits, and so, what we're going to be looking at is five evidences that you have your own faith. Or five notice, noticeable distinctions that you have a personal faith. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. So Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So if you, I'll say that again. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. This is going to be like our foundational verse for today. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. There we go. Warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And some translations say you. So measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Can we pray? Holy Spirit. We just thank you that you can speak to us right now in these moments. We pray that your word be awakened to us, that we can hear it, not just hear it and go, wow, that was good, but leave this place and go, God, we're going to have five noticeable distinctions in our life, five evidences that we have a personal faith with you. And we just thank you, God, that, that we can um, meet you in a real and personal way. And we all said, amen. If you're new, and oh, just another thing, if you're new to One Heart Church and this is your first time here, we're so glad that you're here. Just so you know who I am, my name's Pastor Josh. I have the privilege of leading the youth ministry at One Heart Church. And at the end of the service, there's going to be time to have a bit of coffee in that. Come chat to us and we'll have to meet you. So I'll read that again. Romans 12, uh, chapter 3. Warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your, in your evaluation of yourselves. And so for me, I've been a youth pastor for about five years. And one of the biggest lessons I learned year one was that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. I had, I was, um, had a very healthy self-esteem. I thought, you know what, I'm going to take over youth and we're just going to see revival and things are going to be awesome. And then I slowly started to realize that there's a lot more to it than just what I do, but it was what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It's about other people around you. So I learned that lesson quick. Don't think better than what I really was. But then the warning. Uh, so we saw that warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. And then the bit I love, measuring yourselves by the faith. Can everyone say faith? God has given us or the faith that God has given you. And so Last week, we had the guest speaker, Pastor Dave Hammers. I thought he was amazing. Who loves the, the, the guest ministry that Pastor Rob brings? Yes, I, I love it. I thought it was great. And so um, if you remember in the AM service, he preached on hello, faith under pressure. And I thought it was really awesome. So, um, and we can hear so many messages about faith. 
I, I tried this illustration a few times and they get, 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 give me the wrong answer, but I'm going to hope the church gets it right. We have Abraham, the father of faith. Yes, I was getting the father of Isaac, which was correct. But <laughs> Abraham, we hear messages about Abraham being the father of faith. We can hear messages about Hebrews chapter 11 or Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 about faith is the evidence of things unseen. We hear messages about this all the time. Um, he hear other messages about Peter who walked on water and he had little faith. With that, I was listening to a message from a, a pastor called Rich Wilkerson Jr. Because he has a dad who's a pastor called Rich Wilkerson, senior now. But so he was preaching this message about um, people often mock Peter going, oh, he had little faith. And Rich is like, he walked on water. And he goes, if, if Jesus, oh, sorry, not Jesus, if Peter walked on water with little faith, give me mediocre faith. Give me medium faith. If it takes little faith to walk on water, I just want some medium faith. Give me the mediocre faith because I can do something for God, right? So as a year for 2019, as One Heart Church, we've been looking at the supernatural, right? And so living the supernatural life is called living the life of faith. And so where there is faith, there is supernatural just like Peter had little faith and walked on water, what supernatural things can we do with faith in our lives? And so last week, again, Dave shared the funny camping fire story about his dad went on a road trip and they towed this car that had a missing part. And uh, If you haven't, weren't here last week, I encourage you to get the podcast because it was hilarious. But they, they worked out that they saw this car getting towed along and then they, they see it again and they open up the bonnet and it had no engine in it. And so then what... So what Dave then told us was that in the same way a car requires an engine, the believer, the Christian, requires faith. And so faith is the engine that is driving your relationship with Jesus. And so without a personal faith, you are being towed. So are we driving ourselves or are we being towed along by someone else? Do we have faith? Do we have our own engine? And so I would say if you are being towed, I call that secondhand faith. And so I don't believe that anyone in One Heart Church needs to have a second-hand faith. I don't believe any of us here need to be being towed along by the person beside us, around us, but we can have our own engine and we can do that. And so what is second-hand faith? Great question. I'm glad you asked. When I explain Christianity, I explain it like this. So you often hear, if, if, so you might notice if you go to school, if you're in your workplace or something, people often talk about Christianity like, oh, it's religious, or oh, you're just re- religious. And as Christians, we would sort of say, well, we don't really agree with that. I would say that I am, oh, I'm not religious, but I have a relationship. That's how I would describe it. I'm not religious, I have a relationship. It's about having my own revelation. And so when I do things because everyone else does it, that's religion territory. But when I do things because I have the revelation, that's called faith. That faith is based upon a relationship with God. When I do things at, done out of obligation, pressure, or duty, that too is religion territory. But when I do things because I get to, because I want to, that's called revelation, and that comes from faith. And so that faith is based upon relationship with God. Does that make sense? So we're not, we're not here for religion. We're doing this out of a relationship with God. Right, cool. So, and then sadly, if you read your Bible, you'll see many accounts of people that had secondhand faith. One of the most famous is Samson. 
You see, his mum couldn't have a child. She had a faith in God. God gave her a miracle in Samson, and Samson was blessed because of the faith of his parents. And so Samson had a second-hand faith, made some dumb choices because he didn't have the revelation from God for what God wanted to do in his life. He was blessed because of his parents' faith. There's another one. We know the story of, um, if we're familiar with church, Moses and Aaron. So Moses was a leader of Israel. Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He leaves Aaron in charge, and Aaron doesn't have his own faith and starts going, all right, we'll make up some, some statues. He had a second-hand faith. And the, one of the, the most saddest ones for me, there's a story in the, in the first or second Kings or somewhere like that about the old and young prophet. And it says that the young prophet heard from God and started going on a journey. Then this old prophet lies to the young prophet. And, this, and evidently, because of that, the young prophet dies because he listened to the old person and didn't have his own faith. And so it's the same thing for us. We've got to have our own faith. We can't be reliant on everybody else around us. There comes a time where we need to have our own faith and not rely on secondhand faith. And so for me, I've got a whole series brewing for for the youth ministry to preach about not having a secondhand faith. And one of the things that really stimulated it for me, there's a famous band, I'm not going to mention their name, but I'll be careful with what I say as well because I don't know them personally, so I want to be careful what I say. But they were famously known for having purity rings. And so if you don't understand what a purity ring is, it's a lot of Christians will get a ring on their finger to signify that they're going to stay a virgin until they're married, which is a great, great thing for me. I can stay a virgin before I'm married without needing a ring, but that's what they want to do credit to them but they and they'll get a lot of slack for it and so their past their pastors their parents were pastors and so they grew up in church having these purity rings but then sadly once they hit their teenage years those purity rings were gone pretty quickly and what and it saddened me because they had this religious ring because it's like oh everyone else does it we better do it too they didn't have a personal relationship they didn't have a the revelation from God what it really meant for their lives and so it's the same with us do we do we could have our own in a way spiritual uh, purity ring but are we just doing it because everyone else does it or when the going gets tough and think we have to make a decision do we have the conviction the revelation for ourselves and so a big challenge that I faced was so I would go to youth camps and it would be in the mosh pit jumping up and down Jesus you're the best and when everyone else is doing it it was like easy I would do it but then the the uh, God then challenged me one time I don't know if it was in my devotion it was just like Josh if if you, like, so, because then I'd come back to One Heart Church, and I'd be like, oh, we're doing the fast songs, no one else is jumping. Oh, okay, I'll, 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 I'll put my praise to the level of the people around me. And then what the, what the challenge was for me was that, because God was like, Josh, do you, am I deserving of your best praise at a camp or any time? And, I, and then, but then my, my excuses, I'd be battling my excuses, would be like, well, what if, am I bringing attention to myself? Maybe everyone's looking at me. But, then I'd ha- but I had to go, no, not everyone's looking at you, Josh. You give God your best praise, no matter what situation you are in. And so now, if I'm in my bedroom, I'll praise in my bedroom, jumping around, because he deserves my best praise in my bedroom. If I'm at church and I'm the only one jumping, I will be the only one jumping, because I've had the revelation. As I said as well, being a youth pastor, so Noah Garraway, he's a champion. And so how old were you when you first moved here? This is his second time being here. 15 or something maybe? 15. He was a 15-year-old 
his parents didn't come to church, he would walk to come to church. And we're not just talking about 100 meters, he'd walk a few kilometers to get to church because he had the revelation. And so I, I'm not saying I don't like youth that when their parents bring them to church, that's cool. Thank you, parents. But when you see a youth that has no parents that believe in God saying, you know what, I, I have the revelation to be in the house of God, I go, Noah, you're a champion. And so let's encourage him. And I've seen so many situations like that. When I, was, when I was in high school, there was a guy called Matt Downey. Many of you would know him. He would call me up in the morning. Hey, can I get a lift to church? Of course you can. But why? Because he had the revelation. I want to be in the house of God. And so for us, we've got to ask ourselves, if we have our own faith, what evidences are that we, we've got our own faith and that we're not relying on the people around us? So One Heart Church, what's our vision? If you know it, say it with me. To be a large Relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And so to be, oh, my th- here we go. To be a, um, so we have a choice. Are we mature believers or are we happy and content living off secondhand faith? That's the choice. What are we happy with, being a mature believer or living off secondhand faith? And so five, uh, so faith, that fits five evidences that you have your own faith. Point one. Here we go. Let's get into it. Fruit bearing, not comparing. That's our point one. Fruit bearing, not comparing. So what motivates you? What motivates you? So Romans 12, 3 again. Can someone just open that up for me? That would be brilliant. Thanks. Warning. We have the alarm bell going off again. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. And so are we motivated by faith or comparison? Life is not a competition. Look to the person beside you and say, life is not a competition. We don't base life on others. Oh, I need some of this, thanks. We don't need to compare ourselves with each other as well. It's not about that. We should be driven by faith. That's the whole point. Proverbs 12, 12. Well, I like to say the Proverbs, Proverbs double dozen. Thieves are jealous of each other's loot, but the godly are well-rooted and bear their own fruit. And so we've got to ask the question, what's the faith God's given me? What's the faith God's given you? Because we see, um, for an example for my life to explain it. So God's given me faith to see a city saved. I have the faith for that. I have the faith to see a youth ministry of 100 to 500 youth. I have the faith for that. I have the faith to see youth leaders raised up. I have the faith that when my time in youth ministry is gone, there's going to be youth pastors that can easily take it on. I have the faith for that. I have the faith to see our youth ministry raising up pastors to take on churches. I have the faith for that. I have the faith to see a church of 1,000 people. I have the faith for that. So I don't look at other churches... Uh oh, here we go. Sorry. I, I say, sorry. I don't look at other churches or other youth pastors or other youth groups and go, wow, that's so amazing. I've got to be better than that group. Or even with preaching, I don't have to look at Pastor Rob or, or Pastor Mike and go, oh, wow, they're such a good preacher. How can I be better than them? No, no. God's given me the faith of what I need to be like as a preacher. God's given me the faith of what I want to lead, what I want to be a part of. And so you've got to have the same thing. You've got to say, 
for me, I get inspired when I hear stories. Like my sister Carmel, she's in the army now, but I used to be inspired by the amount of people she'd bring to, to church. And I, I could either compare and go, oh, Carmel's brought five people this year, I've got to bring six. Or do I have the faith to go, no, God's given me the faith to see five people brought to church. I, I, I want to be the person that gets a revelation from God and has the faith to do something, not looking around and being jealous of the people around me. And so I look at what Port Lincoln needs and say, God, how can you use me to achieve this? And so um, Matthew, and so a lot of us in church would be familiar with in uh, Matthew 25, look it up in your own time, about the parable of the talents. And so it's a, Jesus tells a hypothetical story of three servants and a master gives them money. Kitching, And so um, we could say that the money given to those servants is like the faith Jesus can give to us. And so we, if we know the story, there's one's given five talents, one's given two, and another's given one. And the people, or the, the two servants that get the five and the two, we would say they were given faith and used it. When the one, the, the, the servant that was given one talent didn't do anything with the, didn't get the revelation of it. And so the, the five and the two are told, well done, good and faithful servant, because they use what they got. They use the faith what they got. They, in a sense, they got the seed and they bared their own fruit. And so they measured life by their faith and they bared their own fruit. And so what are the talents God has given you? What's the, or we could ask the question, what's the faith God's given you? And are you being fruitful to that? Because we measure our life by our, by our faith and we measure our faith by its fruit. And so I measure my life by faith the dreams for this church, and if it's happening, not if we're doing better than the church down the road. If, 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 I, if I get into a position where I'm going, oh, what's the youth group down the road doing, or what's the youth group down here? No, no, I've got to go, what's the faith God's given me for the year, and measure it to that. If I had the faith to see five salvations in youth, I don't go, well, did they get five salvations? No, because I'm measuring it by my faith. Well, and whatever it is for your life, you've got to make it applicable to you. So an evidence we have our own faith is we are motivated by faith not comparison. That's one evidence that you're living by faith, is that you have you go by faith, not by comparison. Point two, so you feed yourself. So point two, an evidence that you have your own faith is that you feed yourself. Earlier this year, I preached on the supernatural healings and miracles, and we looked at the, the, when Jesus feeds the multitudes, right? And so in all of the accounts, it has the very same thing. It says that, all ate as much as they wanted. And so there was left, and then there was leftovers. And so for me, it's, for me, it's been such a challenging thing still to that. It's been months, but for me, I've been so challenged by it to go that if I was hungry for a Big Mac, God would give me a Big Mac. If I was hungry for three Big Macs, God would give me three Big Macs. But then there'll still be leftovers for either way. So I go, well, am I hungry to see a thousand people in church because God can provide for that faith? Or am I just hungry for 100 people in church because God could also provide for that faith? So it's challenging me is what, what uh, uh, sort of, you open up a tap to let water out, how much of the tap are you opening up, you could say? Uh, are you putting a demand on God or are we just putting a little demand on God because God is faithful to fulfill whatever demand we put upon him? And so if, if you're hungry for a little or lots, Jesus applies to the level we set. What's your hunger? But in a similar way, it's the same with the Word of God. When we do our devotion times, we place a, a, a demand on the revelations that God can give to us. If we're putting little demand on it, well, you're not going to get much revelation. 
if you make time for it, you're going to have a demand where God can speak to you in revelation. And so if the only time you read your Bible, I don't want to condemn anyone here, but if, you, if the only time you read your Bible is what the pastor says on a Sunday or on a podcast or on YouTube, that's just leftovers. That's just secondhand faith. It's secondhand revelation. For me, like, for even like preparing a sermon, it could take me 20 hours. This John Cameron at the ACC conference was saying that it spent, he on average would take 20 hours to write a sermon. I'm like, Mamma mia. But he's, he's, he, he's putting all of that, that time in that. So we get the 20-minute sermon, and we've just got this 20-minute leftovers of his 20 hours of, of, of digging deep into that thing. And so are you happy just living off, off my second hand, or do you want to get your own 20 hours where you go, God, speak to me? And so, uh, so coming to church and feeding, that's good. I, I, I say come to church and hear Pastor Rob. Come to church and hopefully God can speak to you through me. That's good, but I'd say that should not be your only, your only source of food. Because then what happens when you get a repeat? Oh, I've heard the revision before. Oh, I've heard Proverbs 12, 12, the double dozen before. You, get, you, can, get, you can get complain, you can get stale, but if you're feeding yourself, you can go, you know what, that was great teaching, whoever passed it, that was great speaking, but because you fed yourself in another place, it, it's no longer an issue in your life. Can I please have my illustration bag there, please, Noah? Let's give Noah a clap again. Oh, wow. Memories. Memories here. So these bags here, I don't know what memories are associated with you, but these have a, a defined, vivid memory in my life. So I, my, my dad's family descended from Melbourne and dispersed across Australia. So obviously we're in Port Lincoln. I have cousins in Perth. But what would happen is we'd have like this pilgrimage to Melbourne for Christmas and the family would get together. And so I got, now, oh, here we go, I was going to say this. Do we have any older siblings in this building? Give me a hello. You won't understand this, so you'll, you, I'll have to try and explain it. Do we have any younger siblings in this place? Okay, you may be a little bit more understanding of this concept. So my cousins in Perth were rich. Awesome. But what would happen is they would, they would obviously, as they would grow, they would um, put some of their clothes in a bag. But also, because my cousins were rich, they would have clothes they would never wear. So I would... So they would, this is what we, I would call the Perth Cousins hand-me-down bag. And it was an exciting experience. It would be like, it'd be like what, what clothes do I have here in this bag that still have the tag on them? Because that's brand new. And so I'd be like, oh, oh nice. Oh, cool. So this bag for me represents this hand-me-down Perth Cousins bag. But with what I was explaining with when we, come, we can come to church and hear the preaching is that, is this, so what have I got here in this bag? Oh, interesting. Premiership medallion. Come on, somebody. Oh. What else do I have in here? Oh, number 50. Zigga zagga. Now, now, here's the thing. I can, I can bring this premiership Guernsey that I won yesterday and, and say... 
Oh, what an awesome thing it is to win a grand final. And you could probably understand the concept of what it is like winning a grand final. But I can tell you, you won't understand what it's like winning a grand final just by me sharing it. You can get an understanding, but you didn't get the revelation because you didn't wear it yourself. And so for, for us, the same thing is with church, the same thing with, with the Word of God, feeding yourself. I can explain you something, but it's nothing like reading the Word for yourself and getting the revelation. I got that revelation to do that in the, um, in the worship. My real one was this. I can put on this scarf, right? Thanks, Leanna. However, however you wear it. And be like, oh, yeah, this, this scarf keeps me warm a little bit, but it doesn't cover my body. And so I don't want to get the little scarf that sort of calf warms me. I want to have a relationship with God where I feed myself, get the deep teaching for myself, where I cover myself. So please don't put yourself in a position where you start complaining at church going, I want the deep teaching. You want the deep teaching? Buy a study Bible. Oh, that costs money. Well, do you want to feed yourself? If you want to feed yourself and get the deep teaching, do Bible college. I encourage you to do that. Don't make church the problem. Okay. Whew. Getting passionate. Okay. So... Um, and then it's the same thing with worship and prayer. If the only time you pray is on a Sunday morning at church, or if the only time you worship is on a Sunday at morning, that's just leftovers secondhand. I encourage you to make a time in, in your week to worship. I can tell you my toes have the scars to prove the praise parties in my bedroom, and I've bashed my bed by mistake, jumping around going, oh, and then it is a sacrifice of praise then, because you're wanting to scream, but you go, God, you're better than my sore toe right now. But, but you've got to have... The, that revelation where you go, you know what? When I come to church, I'm like, oh, they're doing this song again. No, I've worshipped at home and said, yes, this song's done again, but God, you're still good because I fed myself in worship at home. Good? So an evidence that you have your own faith is that you can feed yourself. Point three, if the music team would like to make their way uh, back. An evidence that you have your own faith is that you're a disciple maker. So point three, you're a disciple maker. We exist for the benefit of others. Tell the person beside you that. We exist for the benefit of others. <laughs> Hebrews 5.12, you have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things. And so this flows on from our last point. Rather than just feeding yourself, we need to be able to feed and teach. Jesus gave everyone food and then they had leftovers. When we feed spiritually, we should have leftovers for others to feed on. So when we are a mature believer, we go from no longer going, well, come to church, Pastor Rob, what can you feed me? To going, no, I fed myself at home and I've also got stuff now that I can help teach other people. That if other people need something, oh, you know what? I have wisdom in that area. God's showed me this. You can be hanging out for coffee with your friends or you've got financial problems. Well, I've been having a bit of feed of this. Hey, this is a revelation that I've got. That's what we should be able to do. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And so we are called to be fruitful and multiply. We are called to make disciples. When was the last time you brought someone to church? When was the last time you had... You led someone through a beginner's prayer. When was the last time you've seen your unsaved friend, unsaved family member, 
plug into the house of God and have their their relationship made right with God. And so we got we got. I, I continually challenge myself on that. I continually have to ask myself the question: Am I coming to church just for what it does for me, or am I bringing people to the house of God? Am I in a position where I'm actually teaching others? And so there's two things that show that that show us that we have our own faith in this. Is that the first one is that you can reproduce yourself, and that you can train and develop other people. If you're in the music team, if you play an instrument, are you training other people in that instrument? If you're on the welcome team, are you the only leader that if you go, it all falls apart? Or are you the leader that goes, you know what, I can leave, but I've raised up other leaders around me to fulfill this, this, this area. Because we are called, if you have our own faith, we're able to raise up leaders. We're able to give what we have to other people. And so another point off that, a side route, is that we can't afford to live off of, of like a conspiracy like, oh, well, this person's not quite good enough or this or that. No, we've got to have an attitude. We go, you know what? We're just going to invest into everybody because we see what God sees in them, not the negatives in them. And the other one is that we have to yeah, witness and bring people to faith. And so I encourage you to, to dream again for the lost people in your life. I encourage you to dream again for your friends. Dream again for your for your sports teammates, whatever it is, because we I believe that we can see them meet Jesus because of your impact in their life. Does someone believe that? Yes. So an evidence that we have our own faith is that we are able to teach others and make disciples. Oh, here's a controversial one, point four. An evidence that you have your own faith is you tithe. Oh, there you go. And again, we exist for the benefit of others. Now, we as a church, we don't go looking at if you tithe or not. But if you tithe, that is a great way to see if you do have your own faith. So um, uh, in one, we've just been through August with one priority month. And in we uh, sort of a, our captioned verse, I guess, for that was Exodus 35, 21. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. And so when it comes to us giving tithes, offerings, whatever it is in church, um, do we have our own faith? Is your heart stirred? Can, can, do you have, the, for me, I, I, again, ACC conference, there was an offering. My heart was stirred because there was a faith to go, you know what, God, I'm going to sow into this ministry. I'm going to sow into what God can do here. When it comes to one priority, my heart was moved. My heart was stirred because I had a revelation. God, you can use my finance to see the future generations blessed. God, whether it's big or little, God, you're not limited. You can use me to see something powerful happen for our church. And so I want you to have those same revelations when it comes to if, you, if you've never tithed before, I, I encourage you to seek God. Read the Bible because it's not to say, God, change my heart. But I believe that when you do, you will get a revelation and you will start tithing because that's a thing born from faith, not religion. We don't need you giving because you have to. We, you give because you want to. It's a faith-bought thing. And again, we don't compare going, well, how much does... Does Noah give? How much does Cameron give? No, I give by the faith put in my heart, and that's what I give. Oh, okay. So an evidence you have your own faith is that you're financially invested in your local church. Last point, point five, an evidence that you have your own faith is that you're unoffendable. That's a good one. Brian Houston, one of the, the, the best pastors in the world, says this, No mature Christian Susan in the word has any reasonable excuse to live life offended. But very mature believer. So, but we get it. So, but we could say this. But what's being seasoned in the word? 
We looked at it in point two, you feed yourself. No Christian feeding themselves have any reasonable excuse to live their life offended. It's, uh, if you're easily offended, you may be living off secondhand faith. Oh, there it is. Ephesians 4.3, another one, Ephesians chapter 4, Pastor Rob, it's a, a, fu- a fundamental for our church. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. I just won yesterday a football grand final. Why? Because our teammates made every effort. We would tackle, we'd get up again. We would put on pressure, we'd kick the goal, then we'll do the next thing because we made every effort to win the grand final. And it's the same thing for our maturity in faith. We have to make every effort to be united. We've got to make every effort to not be offended. And so what does that look like? Don't gossip. You hang out with people around, you don't gossip. You make every effort. There's no slander. Um, There's no excuses. That's what it looks like to make every effort to be united and not be offended. And I'm going to share two, uh, two biblical examples of being unoffendable. And so the first one is in uh, the book of John, chapter 21. Book of John, chapter 21, and verses 20 to 23. And it says this, Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved. So that's John. And then uh, the one... And so the one who leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus. What about him, Lord? Talking about John. And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. And that's quite a, for me, a challenging thing from Jesus, what he says to to, uh, Peter there. Because Peter's going, well, this is a bit unfair, Jesus. Like, you're saying John's going to, stay alive forever. What about me? Why do I have to die? But Jesus is saying, uh, don't compare yourself to what I've spoken to, to John about. You've got to worry about what I've spoken to you about and be faithful to that. And so Peter had to learn to be unoffendable. I've got to focus on Jesus. What are you saying to me? Not what you're saying to the person beside me. Not what you're saying to the person beside me there. When, point Back to point one it goes to is that we've got to, to be unoffendable. We've got to go, God, we bear, we don't compare. And so that's what John, that's what Peter learned in that lesson from Jesus. Jesus was blunt and said, here you go, take that, be unoffendable. The second one is in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. And so Paul is talking about maturity, basically. So Philippians 1, 1 uh, 15 to 19 says, It is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition and not um, sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine, then the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, so I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead uh, to many deliverance. And so 
what we see there is that some were preaching with good motives, some were preaching out of rivalry. And so what Paul had the maturity to go, you know what, whether some people are comparing and producing fruit or other people had the revelation and producing fruit, it doesn't really matter All for, in all things fruit is being produced, people are meeting Jesus. But And so for, for us to be unoffendable, because we could be, we, we can be in the church and go, well, God, I'm, li- I'm listening to you and what you're doing and it, it, things aren't going good right now. And then this person over here, they've got the bad attitude, but God, you're still using them. But the unoffendable person goes, you know what, God, I don't worry about that. Hey, if there's fruit from it, awesome. And if there's fruit from my life, awesome. But we focus on that. And so what we're going to do right now is we're just going to sing a song. Once I've prayed and I believe that we can be a church of mature believers who have evidences that we have our own faith and we're not relying on what other people can do for us. Is that cool? So right now, why don't we just stand and if you want to raise your hands and we're going to pray a prayer of faith. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you that you can give revelation to us. God, I pray that right now you give us the conviction to make time to read the Bible. Give us conviction to make time to feed ourselves. Give us the revelations that we need to bear our own fruit. And so God, we just pray for new measures of faith to be poured out upon this church, God. Whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're male or whether they're female, it doesn't matter. God, we pray for revelations from heaven that help us be mature believers. Amen.